The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who just today ran for his life from a ske- from the skeleton m- machine monster of a cat. Welcome, Jacob. Wow. <laughs> if it was Drew, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be running to you. I'll be running to you. Why, thank you. Let me use my ghost. A man who, this is not related to the movie, but I'm going to use it anyway. Loves pickle juice in the morning. Welcome, Drew. Oh, my word. Not in the morning. I will say that. The vinegar's a little tough. A little much for me. But, yeah. This all comes from last night, folks. Yeah. Inside jokes. No one's going to get them. Yeah. Tonight, however, we are reviewing a film that shares its name with another film. Yes. <laughs> that a lot of people... Got confused back when I worked at Walmart and bought the wrong one, and much to their dismay, did not realize it until after they had opened this movie oh, and no. put it in the player no. and wondering why Sackboy was running around. Because that game was out by this time. Yeah. We're reviewing nine. No, not nine, anything specific. The movie is actually not just called nine. nine. No, but. Nine, nine, nine. Oh, yes, yes, nine. yes. Yeah, the number nine. Yes. Just nine. Mm hmm. And that's what we're reviewing tonight. Yes. A movie I had never seen before because I saw the cover of this originally and went, this looks a little too cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs for me. <laughs> so, yeah, why don't we just go ahead and jump into our spoiler-free thoughts? Yeah. Then? Certified fresh and spoiler-free. As stated, this was my first viewing, mm-hmm. and I still don't know what I watched. I kind of get what I watched. Right. But at the same time, I'm sitting here going, huh? I got the plot. Mm-hmm. I think the animation's good. Don't get me wrong. Even for this time period, because this was still a little, we weren't quite to the level we were. We would be at, say, even a year after this came out. Yeah, 2009. Yeah, this came out in 2009. In 2010, 11, the quality had seemed to have a major jump. I don't right. know why. But this one... It's just the the storytelling gets a little too artsy for me. Mm. Like I said, I still don't know what (laughs) the point of this was about. I I can't figure out the central theme of Mm. this. Family? Maybe? Maybe. But even then? It's not even eh, really about Not really? War is evil? Maybe? (laughs) I don't know. World War II sucked for everybody? <laughs> it's not even really a World War II. It's kind of like a... Yeah, because it's after ma- World War II. Yeah, but it's it's kind of like an amalgamation of things. That just... Apparently, it's in France. I did not yeah, find out France. until I was doing my research and found out that that church is actually supposed to be Notre Dame. Notre I'm Dame. sorry Disney did it, did it better. <laughs> yeah, true. But anyway, mm. it's not a bad film it's just a weird film and it's not one i'm going back to i'm okay, sorry fair so enough in, in the <laughs> at the risk of telegraphing my final rating during the spoiler free section it's not for me okay fair <laughs> enough 
Fair enough. What are your thoughts? Uh, again, like Drew, this was my first viewing. I watched it on HBO. Uh, oddly, odd story. Or Max. Odd, it's not It's HBO. on Max. Max. Sorry. On Max. So, to my severe pleasure, severe pleasure, so... I was under the understanding that the subscription I had to Max was already suspended. Mm-hmm. So I asked my good friend to give me a little hand with, you know, with something about that. So we come over, came over to my apartment and it's like, oh, okay, so we're going to do this and this. So you boot up the, the Max uh, app on the PlayStation 4 mm-hmm. and be like, signed right in. it's signed in. I so still I'm, say you were clicking HBO Max instead of Max. Because it'd probably been that long since you had to open the open the app, probably. But I don't know if that's what happened. Maybe stuff Maybe. happens. It I don't does. get. I don't know. It does. But I was able to watch it on Max, so it's available there if you are subscribed to Max. Indeed, it is. Um, and I will say, if you were one of the HBO Max people and was annoyed with the app as much as I was, the app is better. Mm-hmm. If you're just annoyed at Warner Brothers, it's also understandable. Yeah, fair. <laughs> so, I for. Oddly enough, I really enjoyed this film. It was very, it was very artistic, and being an yeah, artist, it was artistic. Very art, artist guy like myself, uh, I enjoyed the like the the artistic ways of storytelling and the way it um, had this kind of camaraderie where you don't know each other and you're trying to like undermine each other in some ways. And this the the professor's past and what's going on and why is this and why is this? I found this intriguing. So I found this story and animation and character, not all the characters, but most of the characters we really don't know, but I really enjoyed this film and I might actually try to go back and rewatch this. So this is going to be an interesting review. Yes. It does sound like that's going to mm-hmm. be the case. So on the, in that case, why don't we go ahead and get into spoiler filled? Yes. The following is a spoiler filled review for the film Nine. Listener discretion is advised. I think we said 2009, but that's when the short came out, I believe. That's so it may right. be 2010, 2011. Yeah. Uh, it should make more sense because that's be when I was in the electronics department. Uh, but anyway. Yeah. Nine was written and directed by and based on the short film by Shane Acker. Mm-hmm. And... There is not a lot else I can pull <laughs> for him, unfortunately. Uh, and I say that because he's actually got a pretty decent IMDb, but there's nothing. This is like his only major motion picture he's ever directed. Everything else he's directed has been shorts. Mm-hmm. He's got one or two little writing credits, not much. The thing he is listed under the most, I believe, was in the animation department because he did work for a bunch of different animation studios. Yes. But that's about the best I could find for him. Okay. So, yeah, just for clarification, the short came out in 2005. Okay. Yeah, so the film came out in 2009. Okay, I see my problem with with how it's listed in the Mm -hmm. trivia, so never mind. I was wrong. It happens. It happens to the best of us. Even me every once in a while. You live and learn, you don't get depends. Or loves. Or loves. Well, go to the gas station, loves. It's not bad either. Anyway, it was also written by Pamela... Petier and Ben Gluck. Uh, getting into the cast for this, we have Christopher Plummer playing number one. Mm-hmm. He was Captain uh, George Von Trapp in The Sound mm-hmm. of Music. Yes. Martin Landau 
played number two, mm-hmm. and he was Bella Lugosi in Ed Wood, the making of Plan That's Nine from right. Outer Space. Yeah. That was a, um, oh, who did that movie? That was uh, Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Yeah, Tim Burton did that film. But it's about the making of one of the early, mm-hmm. the, the most famous bad film. Yeah. By Ed Wood, who was, it's really about him directing it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a, I watched the movie once and I enjoyed it. Hmm. John C. Riley mm-hmm. played number five. Three and four did not have voice actors. Mm. Uh, and he was Ralph in Record Ralph. Yes. Very much organized his voice. Crispin Glover played number six. And he was George McFly in Back to the Future. Now, wasn't six, six, right? Yes, yeah, six. The, the one who's uh, obsessed with the, the, is, am I saying that right? What did, what did six do? I can't remember what he did. Six was the artist. That's right. Who I, that's who I thought that was. And I kept thinking, it was like, and you said, you know, Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover. That totally makes sense with that yeah. actor and that character. Makes sense. For our second week in a row, Jennifer Connelly mm-hmm. was number seven. And, of course, as you remember from last week, she was Sarah in Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of other stuff. Fred Tadasior was number eight. And the radio announcer. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. And most recently, he played Lord Zed in Power Rangers Cosmic Fury. Oh, okay. But we here on the Cellcast know him better as Lieutenant Shax and Star Trek Lower Decks. Of course. <laughs> Elijah Wood played number nine. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he was Frodo Baggins in The Lord of the Rings. Stupid hobbits. Mm-hmm. Alan Oppenheimer yes. played, played the scientist. And he played the Blob in Pride of the X-Men. True, but also he did a very famous character from the 1980s. Ah, He-Man! Oh, no, I'll get you this time! Admittedly, I did not get that far down this list. I just noticed he did technically play a character recently that was uh, King Grayskull. Yeah, he played... If you're going to tell me that is Skeletor... No, it's not. Okay. No, 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 no. Tom Kane played the dictator, and when they can't get Frank Oz, he plays Yoda in Star Wars. Yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And Helen Wilson was the newscaster. Okay. She had an uncredited role as the caretaker in the pilot of Star Trek Voyager, the person that caused Voyager to get lost in the Delta Quadrant at the beginning oh, of the series. Okay. But mainly she's known for being a props maker and costume seamstress. On a lot of different shows and movies. Interesting. So, this was more than likely more of a cameo for her. Oh, okay. I'm guessing. Nice. Uh, and I just now realized I forgot something incredibly important. Oh, no. I didn't do Kingdom Hearts Connections. Oh, how sad. So, I would ask you <laughs> how many Kingdom Hearts Connections there are, but you already know because I just uh, had to cut out one. my searching. Yeah. Uh, and that was Fred Tadasior, who was number eight in this, mm-hmm. and uh, he played both Kevin Flynn and Clue in Kingdom Hearts during the uh, grid level, which was based on Tron Legacy in Kingdom Hearts uh, Dream Drop Distance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brain fart there. Uh, so yeah, that's what I got on the cast list. What do we got in info and stuff? All right, so info and stuff. Let me back to my notes. Notes, 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 notes. Wrong way. All right. So, 
Uh, so info and stuff. Uh, it is an IMDb score, IMDb score of seven, uh, 7.0 out of 10 Rotten Tomatoes. I could not find that at the current time, but I'm pretty sure someone will probably pop that in the the notes somewhere. Uh, it's available to watch on Max. Production was through Focus Features. Um, relatively, relatively, relativity media. Relativity. Thank you. Relativity. Thank you. Media. Lux animation and distributed by Focus. Uh, Focus features had a runtime of an hour and nineteen minutes. It was released on September 9th, two thousand nine. That's a theme going on there. So nine has a Rotten Tomato score on the tomato mom. Tomato meter, thermometer, however you say that. Thermometer. 57% with an audience score of 56%. Oh, so it's run of the mill. It, it's, it's middle. Yeah. Middle of the score both ways. Agreed. All right, so box office. It had a budget, an SME budget of $30 million. Its opening weekend on September 13th, 2009, here in the United States and Canada, was $10.7 million. Its overall gross in the United States and Canada was thirty-one point seven million. It didn't make its budget. It bare, made its budget, but I per uh, what is that? Oh come on, like advertising and that stuff. Be like, yeah, the marketing, marketing. Thank you. That's what I'm looking for. Marketing. Uh, it's um, international gross. Was forty eight point seven forty eight point four million dollars, so it didn't do that exactly well. So home release, <clears throat> uh, the film was released on DVD and Blu Ray for the first time on December twenty ninth, two thousand nine. Um, three and a half months after the film was released, the DVD and Blu Ray can uh, contain special features such as directors, uh, the directors. Um, Sean Ackers, Sean Ackers' original 2009 short film of the same name, cast interviews and commentaries and commentary by the filmmakers. Uh, there was a sequel in talks, but it didn't go anywhere. Literally, I'm guessing it would have been called Ten, maybe, because there was there was talks that that the film would possibly uh, have our characters uh, either. Do do they try to? I have no idea where they'd go after this. Yeah, be like, be to like, be honest. According to the director, according to the director, that it be like they like it's kind of left open. But what he said mm-hmm. it was kind of left open. So the possibility of they could uh, try to the the Earth is starting to come back from all the the mm-hmm. gas that was released, and so either do they adapt to it or do they go somewhere else so that was the general thought but the film never be like if there was never a script or anything it was just more of an idea and yeah never went anywhere so yeah we're not gonna get a a a, a nine two or a ten whatever i call it nine two what is this final fantasy <laughs> you never know anyway anyways so yeah that's all i have for an info and stuff all right getting into the summary hmm. A ragdoll that awakens in a post-apocalyptic future holds the key to humanity's survival. Mm. Getting into the trivia for this, because apparently I didn't write down the whole plot, but that's fine. There wasn't much. I mean, there is a plot, but there anyway. is a plot. Trivia for this. Shane Acker first made nine 
as, as a 10-minute short film while he was still at UCLA. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say he messed up. He should have. It should have been nine minutes. <laughs> it was nominated for Best Animated Short at the Oscars, and although it didn't win, Acker was offered this, the chance to expand it into a feature film. It follows the same basic plot, but more characters have been added. They have... They have now have the ability to speak, and the reason for the world's destruction is explained in more detail. Ah. The clock on the Notre Dame church in the film is stuck at the time 909. Mm. Oh, that's just ironic. Oh, wait. Just wait. Alan Oppenheimer plays the scientist responsible for the destruction of the world. Yes. So it seems fitting that he's the cousin of J. Robert Oppenheimer, the father of the atomic bomb. Surprise, surprise to nobody. Anyway, so the so the Lord of Destruction is related to the man who created the atomic bomb. Created the, the that the, literally the ended World War II. Yes, just in a different country. Yes, <laughs> than this took place. Too funny. A canny choice of the marketing department was to give the film a release date of September 9th, mm. two thousand nine. Nine nine nine. Wow. After they retrieved Two's body, they place the coin from one over the eyes of Two as they send his body into the water. In Greek mythology, he had to place payment on the body to pay the ferryman to cross the river Styx to the underworld. Wow. Yeah, that was good. Love that scene. All nine of the creations are never in one particular place together in the whole movie Hmm. until the funeral scene at the end. And even then, five of them are dead and Hmm. ghosts. True. And that's what I've got for trivia for this. Wow. I could have gotten some more, but I was trying to keep it short. Short and sweet and to the nine. Pretty much. So, what's your first like for this film? My first like of this film, it's very dark. It's, it's, a, it's a different kind of animated film for kids, which is not for kids. I say, I'm, about to say, I'm not sure this is made for kids. Yeah. This is definitely more teenager. Yeah, true, but be like that's the youngest. Typically in America, you have people the the notion that animation is for children. So we have repeatedly said this is not the case. I agree, I agree, but that's that stereotype still kind of exists, is still in the the air in some ways. So be like, this is a very very extremely dark film. Like I don't think there's a real bright spot in in any. Fashion form, be like not really. No, really, it's it's kind of doom and gloom the entire time, and uh, I, I I love that approach of a film where you're you're willing to do something different, you're willing to take a chance with the story, and to like uh, push the boundaries with doing a a different type of story from a different angle, and you're doing something that's kind of after mm-hmm. a post apocalyptic story. And I just enjoyed that. It was I, I found that very, very interesting. So what's your first like? My first like for this uh is the post apocalyptic landscape. Ah, okay. Because it is while while it is a bunch of ruins, there's a bunch of garbage everywhere, mm-hmm. it feels strangely enough, even though it's meant to display almost a chaotic destruction. Mm-hmm. It feels handcrafted. It does in a good way. It, it feels. It really does feel like you're looking out across a, uh, well, a post-apocalyptic landscape. That yes. kind of goes without saying. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it feels like this is a real place mm-hmm. that you are seeing from the point of view of these little sack boy guys. Mm-hmm. 
and and it's real cool when you're watching out there across there and you see like the factory, the 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 the, the, uh, the building, it's the factory out there. Yeah, and it it seems like it, it both at the same time feels like that's where you need to go, and also that is Mount Doom. Yeah. You really want to be careful in the villain's lair. And if you can tell it from the very beginning, why Frodo Baggins couldn't tell, mm. I have no idea. Because, uh, honestly, he should not have taken the knob to Mordor. No. Because that's what that was, was a knob. Uh, but with buttons. A knob with buttons. A knob with buttons. And alchemical symbols all over it. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I, I really did like uh, the the environment, I guess is what it comes down mm-hmm. to. I thought the environment was very well done. It felt like a real trash heap of a town, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Since apparently it's in Paris. It is in Paris. Not the prettiest I've ever seen Paris. No. But, yeah. What's your second like? My second like just tail ends right off yours. It's the post-apocalyptic uh, landscape of this. It's beautifully done. It's so... It's a place you don't want to be. It's it's the... Uh, it's it's not the Paris you want to go to for your vacation or your honeymoon. Uh, you want to avoid Paris at all costs or this fictional version of Paris. The, the, uh, the hellscape of, like, the ruins of... Um, but the fact that we do see, you know, corpses, we see dead people. Yeah. I think the in the first scene, we see a dead body. It's just like, oh, my gosh, what the heck happened? And over the course of the story... Which we, we, the, the, the amount of corpses on the ground in this film is the primary reason I don't think this movie was made no, for kids. No, So you do and take your kids in there. The first thing they're going to see is a skeleton, and they're going to go, eh, maybe this is the wrong film. Maybe. Maybe. Not that you'd know you're off singing Mamma Mia about five five theaters down. I'm guessing Mamma Mia was out around this time. I don't I didn't actually look up what movies were playing. Who knows? But I, I enjoy the landscape of this movie. It it it's it's thrillingly frightening. And just the, the overall atmosphere of the movie what our characters are in, uh like nine, he doesn't know what's going on. He's just woken up. And he's just like, what's going on? He has to explore this this strange new world. And I'm not talking Star Trek. Not seek, but he's not really seeking out new life or new civilization. Well, he isn't. But he is boldly going where no sack boy has gone before. before. <laughs> Touche. But yeah, just the, the, the environment, the apocalyptic landscape of uh, ruin, destruction, and decay. And it's just like, it's very interesting. Again, kind of arguing back to my first one, where... This is an interesting story because they go to places where you you don't really expect them to go. It, like humanity's dead, as far as we understand, and it's all it is is little sack people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I find this all of this very intriguing. What's your okay. second? Uh, my like? second like for this is the design of the machines. Ah, okay. From the scariness that is the beast. Yes. A.K.A. Skeleton Cat Machine. To the Pterodactyl. Oh, gosh, yeah. To, I can't remember what the the third one was. I cannot remember what the third one was. I am drawing a blank as well. But then the factory, basically. Oh, yeah. The original monster Mm -hmm. that he awakens. 
that thing is like simultaneously mm-hmm. impressive and scary at the same time. Absolutely. Uh, and strangely enough, beautiful mm-hmm. in a way also, because you can tell it was unlike the other monsters that we see, this was crafted by a human. Uh-huh. All the others were crafted by this monster working the best it can with or this, I said this monster, this machine working with what parts were available. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, it does a good job with Especially with skeletons that should be crumbling by this point. Well, it's it's though um, we're not really given a clear idea how long it's been since whatever weapon stopped destroyed everything right. happened. Yeah, but this this device itself is designed to replicate things. Yeah, it's designed to create life where there is no life, and that's where we get the kind uh, of kind of, but the same. Yeah, they get there gets to some weird parts. Oh yeah, agreed. Um. So yeah, that's my second. Like, what's mm. your third? Skeledad. Skeledad. Alan Oppenheimer. Ah, uh, yeah. His uh, his whole idea because he's he's tasked by the. Um, not hold on, let me get it right. Um, dictator. Dictator by the dictator to create this machine, and to to bring life to things, and he winds up. Because it's revealed in the le- the latter part of the movie that all of our little sack people are actually bits and parts of the the scientist the scientist's soul, and number nine was the last one that took the, the remainder of his soul. Yeah. So I, when, I, when I looked it up, it explained what each part was. Forgive me for not remembering each one, but nine was supposed to be his humanity. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense because well, like you you can tell with each each variation from one to nine. Uh, the ones we meet be like it's you know the timid one, the fearful one, mm-hmm. the brave one, the the muscle, the artistic one, the, the ones art- that are more good as projectors. Yes, the inventors, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, uh, or archivists, anyway. archi- archivists. Yeah, researchers. There we go. He's Re- a scientist. He has to research. That's yeah. his, the, those two are the research part of his head. Yeah. Maybe his curiosity and his intelligence. Yes. Anyway. Yeah, I, just, I, I found that really fascinating once you get that revelation at the very end of the movie. It's like, oh, that's what he's been doing. That's what this is, and that's why this machine does this. Why the uh, the machine that, I think it's called the brain, I think? The brain is the, well, it's what he put, had, it, it was the intelligence he had to put in the machine. That's right. To replicate stuff. Yeah. So, be like the... Like the the movie gives you all these amazing clues and be like, and you find mm-hmm. the very end of the film, it's like this is what's going on, and I was like, okay, I didn't catch it at first. I mean, like, I caught it, and I was like, whoa, yeah. this was genius the way they did this. So yeah, it's the the uh, the I guess would be the molding of minds from one, molding of multiple minds from one, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was very clever. What is your number three? My third like for this is uh, the introduction, basically, of magic into this world, Mm. which technically that is what the button is doing, because the sack boys, and I'm sorry, I don't have a better name for Mm. them than that, but the sack boys are basically brought to life. They they were first sewn by the the scientists, Mm -hmm. and they were brought back to life basically through dark magic. Mm-hmm. And him cutting up his soul to appear to be, you know, put into each one of these little yes. puppets. Yeah. Sackboy puppet things. 
and it's got out. You know, he he draws all the the, the device he had, he does this with mm-hmm. uh, has alchemical symbols on it, which alchemy is mm-hmm. somewhat where we get chemistry from. Yeah, or he grew out of that, much the yeah. same way that astronomy grew out of astrology. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you start taking all the weird stuff out of it, but uh, the, the the bringing in of that in such a way that on one hand I thought. This is just kind of weird, mm-hmm. but it helped. Here's the thing. We are Christians. Yes. Despite what, how things look to our physical eyes and our physical understanding, we both mm-hmm. are aware that this is not, this is a supernatural, there's, there, there's a supernatural along with the regular, right? Yes. This film could have easily gone with, you know, just pure science and, man's you know the standard science fiction mm-hmm. issues of man's hubris yeah. bringing about the destruction of the world and uh you know yada 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 that whole mm-hmm. thing and yet it's like yeah that was part of it but obviously the scientist was doing a little bit more than just pure science mm-hmm. he was had said some other things and that's probably why he was able to get a fully functioning ai mm-hmm. in 1940s ish Ish yeah. time, mm-hmm. uh, and he did. They did say that the the thing he forgot he did not do and he regretted was not putting his humanity into the machine because it would it was a brilliant, intelligent, but yes. it just had no soul basically. Yeah, and it would literally be like it could be corrupted by anybody who had easily like, evil intentions, which and he I, did. Yeah, which is exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, admittedly, I'll have some more to say about this when we get to dislikes, mm-hmm. but the fact that. Uh, that's kind of what this was, was technology and spirituality coming together. I yeah. thought made for an interesting world. Now, I granted, this is what happens when you don't have God in your world. It becomes very dark and depressing. Very true. So, yeah, that's my third and final like. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, we do need to go into dislikes then. Yes. What is your first dislike? My first dislike... It's kind of promoted promoted as a children's film, but it's it so much not. It is not a children's film. I no. would not watch this. Well, I might watch it with children. Yeah. But I'm fairly certain that the age of the youngest I would allow to watch it is going to be like 10 or 11. Yeah. Basically. Maybe yeah, nine. I, maybe, yeah, maybe nine. It depends on the kid, of course. But, um, bum. But, um, shh. Yes. But, uh... It's I I could because I remember seeing the marketing for this and it was like okay this is an interesting film I never saw it and then uh, for it's like trying to figure out movies for the review for reviewing this year and I saw nine I was like you know what I remember something about this it sounds like an interesting film and it's definitely not for kids so yeah because you're gonna see bodies you're gonna see death a lot of death of some pup a lot of dark. Dark, dark. Like, like I would put this in the same vein in terms of quality, Mm -hmm. in terms of audience, as Black Cauldron. Oh, yeah. That age group. That movie wasn't really made for kids either. No, I agree. It's got that that same kind of texture and feel of, like, uh, the the 1980s for Disney. Be like, Mm -hmm. they were trying to experiment with things. And they went really, really dark with Black Cauldron. It took them ten, uh, took them a, a long tail and time to do this film, but uh, we were done. We were reviewed Black Cauldron, so go check it out in our feed wherever wherever you listen to your podcast. But 
this film, like, it seemed like they were trying to market it towards children, and that is the wrong audience to shoot this thing for. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think it would be, like, more marketing. They should have... I have to wonder if the marketing team actually watched the film. I know you probably don't always have the chance to, but I do kind of wonder. Hmm. This is definitely not a kid's film. No, it's not. So that's my first dislike. Not for kids. My first dislike for this is the animation specifically on the Sack Boys. Oh, really? Well, here's the thing. They are... the, the, the for, I say the animation. It's mostly... Grant, I know they're dolls. Yes. And my initial thought when I see that is... Toy Story, of course. Yes. That's what I compare it to because those are toys that were they had to animate in '95 before a lot of these tools were in place. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, they move fine. Yes. Like it's not really the animation, I guess, itself. It's mm-hmm. the textures yes. on the sack boys and sack girl, technically. Yes, but it's most prominently oh, it, 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 it most prominently hit me with Nine himself. Okay, because he. His body is made out of a, uh, looks like a potato sack. It's got a very rough uh, threads, yeah. or very very thick uh, threads with being able to see through it. Yeah. The problem is the spacing between those threads mm-hmm. feels like it's part of his skin also, even though you should be able to... It should not feel like that's like like it's a solid piece. The the mm. holes and the thread. Yeah, it feels like it's a solid piece. The way they stretch the threads does not feel right. Okay, for cloth. It, that's probably what it comes down to. Cloth simulation is not very good in this film, mm. despite the fact all our main characters are made from cloth. Yeah. So yeah, that's really my bit. That's probably the biggest thing I have against this, and the thing that kind of took me out of this very quickly was the fact that most of the cloth simulation on this felt like it was five years older than the film. Possibly. And not in such a way that, uh, you know, they'd been working on the movie for five years and mm-hmm. this was quite sorry. I mean, it felt like this is how it looked when they uh, were doing the animatics and they never upped the quality mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. to make it, Feel better. Mm. I know part of that is you. Pro- they're probably trying to match the look and feel of the original short film, which I did not go back and watch, so mm. I can't comment on that. Okay. But that's my assumption of why it's kind of the way it is, and it's just the more I watched it, the more I kept thinking, uh, that's just not really moving like I think it ought to. Mm. Now, granted, the little apertures on the eyes, perfect. Yeah. Don't change that. There was so much expression in mm-hmm. all the characters' eyes yes. that really sold this sold sold these characters more than anything else, in okay. my opinion. Fair. But just it's just the way these characters moved, it felt too stiff, for lack of a better term. Mm. Like maybe they had too much stuffing. And that was causing them to move too stiffly, and then okay. the textures weren't really stretching like I, they, I thought they were supposed to. Hmm. That's really what it comes down to. So. Okay. What's your second dislike? My second dislike is, okay, so we get nine, we get a bunch of uh, personality from him, but everybody else are kind of like one-note kind of characters. They're like, you have one who's grumpy, 
He'd be like, he's very, oh my gosh, we got to stay safe and blah, blah, blah. But you really don't get a whole lot of like. You like, got grumpy. You got dopey. You got artsy. Not artsy stuff. Uh, <laughs> you got. Uh, uh, I can't think of what you'd call the two, the two uh, researcher guys. Yeah. Smarty and lights because he was the one who was the main projector right <laughs> but either or bright. bright he's bright okay he's bright <laughs> that's a bad joke yes he's a bad joke but like for the most part you get all the personality coming out of nine and everybody else is kind of like they're there like they do have a kind of personalities but you really don't get to see them much because our main focus is on nine because he's the main character mm-hmm. so I really wish we would got more personality. Be like, yeah, we, we do get to know them a little bit. We don't get to know who they are as characters. Because Nine is brand new. He doesn't yeah. know the world. And all these other characters, all they are is like, they're supposed to be, you know, parts of this man's soul, like parts of his personality. But we really don't get that fleshed out. Because mm-hmm. there again, this movie clicks. It goes along really It fast. is amazing how fast this film mm-hmm. is. Like It is. It's an hour and 20 minutes, yes, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel an hour no, and 20 minutes. No, it doesn't. It does not. But, yeah, which the only reason that didn't make my like list is because I thought that would sound, like, really bad mm. <laughs> for, for it, and I didn't want it to. Yeah. Anyway, um, my second dislike for this, I, I don't know how to explain this very well, but it's like from the mechanics of how the magic worked mm-hmm. didn't entirely gel with me. Okay. Uh, honestly, in some strange way, at some point I thought maybe all nine of these things were supposed to sacrifice themselves eventually to the monster that would put the scientist's soul in the machine and then it would be a good machine. It kind of felt like it was going that way for a bit, and yeah. these, and we were telling the story of these nine sacrificial characters, okay. and the horror story behind, you know, what, how, what is it like to live when the your only reason for living is to be be ground up in the machine? Hmm. I kind of thought it was going that way, but then yeah. it wasn't because nine was going to be the one is is basically Sackboy Jesus in this, for lack of a better term, because he's. The chosen one, yeah, who's just... got it, who's been given the knob, mm-hmm. and he's the one who's gonna take down the machine. Mm-hmm. Couldn't you have given? First off, how did you know Nine would be the one who was capable of doing this? How does this magic work in such a way where you actually knew maybe what was going into each one? Yeah. Why didn't you give it that in one <laughs> instead of nine? Mm-hmm. So chosen one, but. Uh, and lastly, there it was. Why does nine wake up so much later than the other eight? Because he was created the last. The other eight appeared to be awake during the destruction. Apparently, because one saves all of them and True. gets them to the church. True. Nine, on the other hand, because we have no idea how long this takes place after you know when everything went to pot. Yes. He, he could have woke up three days later or three centuries later for the amount of difference it makes. True. Why was he delayed when one through eight were all alive? Good question. 
That's my question. The, the reasoning behind it doesn't make sense. Now, Grant, we see that it's his last... The uh, Nine was the scientist's last mm-hmm. uh, act, the yes. creation of Nine, because mm-hmm. he, well, Larry, that was the last of his soul, and he fell mm-hmm. over dead, and he had time, at least, for to be reduced to a skeleton in mm-hmm. terms of decomposition Right. by the time Nine wakes up. But why was there so much of a delay on him when one through eight were running around while bombs were falling? Mm. That's my question. Fair enough. And it's that part, those, those logical inconsistencies with the magic and the stuff is kind of just, it raised more questions than I would have liked. Gotcha. So yeah, that's my number two dislike. What's your number third? My third dislike of this film, it's too short. The length of it's way too short. I mean, like, they're going to be like, this movie is so jam-packed. Like a certain film I watched earlier this week. I'll get into my, my watching later. Mm-hmm. But this movie is so jam-packed. There's just information trying to throw at you. And it to me, it seems like it needed time to breathe. Because it's just going at this this clip. This clip. Uh, breakneck speed, breakneck speed. But like, it's, it's trying to get to the very end. Be like, it's 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 a very flowing movie. But I really wish they would have had just taken some time, got to know our characters mm-hmm. even more, uh, and got to flesh out the world a little bit more, and you know, give us a little more ambiance of what's going on, really. Instead of you know, it's like, oh, let's just plow through this at breakneck at a at a lightning yeah. speed. And I wish they would have slowed down and took their time and made like an hour 35 minute instead of hour 18 mm-hmm. minutes. Give, give, give the movie some time to breathe and open it up like what people say, like a, like a yeah. bottle of wine, and just let it breathe. And this movie didn't have time to breathe. You didn't have it as an audience member had time to breathe in this movie. So, yes, it needed more time to, you know, develop its story out. It just mm-hmm. didn't have it. I'd agree with that. Snake, that was the other thing, because it was using Two's body to charm. I couldn't think of... I just now realized what the other animal was. Oh, okay. Mechanical animal. Anyway. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Anyway. The uh, third dislike I have Mm. for this film... I just... You can just tell by watching this... This was Shane Hacker's first full-length film. Hmm. It just... You, you can kind of tell he's got the mentality of a short... Of a, of a filmmaker who's used to doing shorts. Right. That's not a bad thing. No. But... And, I, and I've seen this in a lot of other stuff where they're used to making shorter films. Mm-hmm. And then they have to try and adapt this thing to feature length. And it never quite feels right. It's like they don't know what to... They have all this... Do you remember the Twilight Zone episode where the guy wants to uh, to read, but he never gets a chance to because it's so busy at the bank and all this, and he goes and he tries to sneak into a, the, the bank vault to get a few minutes of patience on his lunch break to read. An atomic bomb goes off, and he comes out. He's the only person left alive. I remember the story. Yeah, it's a good it's a good episode. Yeah. That's kind of uh what this feels like. It's like this guy is the 
this director's been wanting to direct mm-hmm. like something. And he's so used to doing it this one way that he's given the opportunity. And at the first time he gets it, he steps on his glasses mm. like the guy does in that. Because he's trying to do so. He's used to having to cram so much into such a little space. Mm. In the, in the you know in terms of shorts, yeah, he's got an hour and a half ish to play with, and he continues cramming stuff in like it's a five minute short, except it's an hour and a half long, and it's not that there's like a ton of stuff. It's just that pacing yeah. is so fast that you never get like you said you don't get the chance to breathe. Fair. The there's so many little things that if you're you hey, you do have to be watching this oh, yeah. film. This is not one you can. You know, pull up your phone and be looking on Facebook while while it's going. Yeah. If you need to look away from the screen, you do have to pause. Mm-hmm. And the something. sad thing about the bad thing about that is sometimes what's going on on screen is not important enough to really. It doesn't feel like it's pulling you in that much. At least for me, anyway. Fair. There's there's some stuff that goes on. It's like okay, it's it's just two of these ragdoll guys or sack boys talking. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I get that. I'm sure there's some great animations on the faces and such, because, I mean, the, the, like I said earlier, mm-hmm. the animation on the eyes is superb. Agreed. But uh, by the time you get to a point where the film really should give you a second mm-hmm. to doesn't process, to let you see uh, soak in the atmosphere, mm-hmm. It moves on to the next thing without even really feeling like it finished. Uh-huh. Uh, it gives you a bad sense of timing mm-hmm. in a way. It's it does everything that okay. We reviewed Boss Baby a yes. couple of weeks ago. Yes, a month, a couple of months, a couple ago, of months actually. ago now. Uh, I think I don't remember if we brought it up then, but I think one of the issues I think we both had was. That film doesn't stop and breathe. No, it doesn't. It is one joke after another, and sometimes the jokes don't even work. I agree. This, strangely enough, has the same problem. It does. It moves from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing, and it's like, you don't have to have that many things. Give me a, just, you've got got four monsters you're bringing in to fight, basically. Uh, You probably could have reduced that down to two. Yes. You could have not had the pterodactyl, because that pterodactyl really didn't add much. You could have had the cat monster, the snake monster, and the main monster. Yeah, and that would, A, that would work in a three-act structure. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, you could have easily worked your story in around that where it didn't feel like, if it felt like you had time to get to know all these characters. That's the thing. We have mm-hmm. a cast of nine principal characters. Mm-hmm. The problem is, from what I looked up, nine and two are the are the ones that were from the short. Yeah, one, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight were created for the film. Mm, makes sense. Two is the only other one besides nine who feels like he has character development, and that's because it's literally taking the character development from the short and using it here. Fair. Everyone else, like you said, one note characters. The reason they're one-note characters, we don't have time to get to know them. Very true. I mean, the only interesting thing we learn is that Eight is apparently addicted to magnets. Yes. That was oddly interesting, though. It was It was interesting, because it's like, oh, he's getting high off magnetism. That, in a strange way, makes sense. Yes. How do you explain that to a kid? <laughs> 
But uh, but that's like the only real interesting quirk. You got six who's just drawing the same mm-hmm. symbols over and over and over again, uh-huh. which are the ones that are on the knob. You've got seven who is the uh, tough kick butt woman who don't need no sack boy. Uh, you've got eight. Like yeah, he's interested in Magnus, I'm sure, but he's definitely the muscle. Yes, and. It really feels like you get to three and four, and it feels like they added them because they needed to fill those numbers, and they really didn't know what to do with them. That's why they didn't cast them. Mm-hmm. That's why they're silent characters. It's like we have no idea what we're doing with these characters, but we need them to explain what the, we need them there for the for the mm-hmm. scene where we explain who the who the, the monster is, yes. and explain what all this other stuff is, so that you can see how all this goes down. And I'm like, and that's pretty much their role. One at the very least. It's an antagonist because, he, and we do get at least some good from him, but I have no idea how much of that is writing yeah. or how much of that is the actor. <laughs> because in, my brain just died again. Um, I can't think of his name. Christopher Plummer. Yeah. Christopher Plummer did such a good job with the character yes. that he, he, let's face it, Christopher Plummer could read uh, names out of a phone book. Not that anyone knows what that is anymore. Uh, and make it entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this... I, I'm convinced that wasn't because... Of the reason his any interesting thing in his character was there because of him, yeah. because of Christopher Plummer, not because of the writing, because the writing was basically, I saved everyone a couple years ago, I'm an old man and ornery, and uh, I'm actually too scared to go out and face these things. Or too scared to go out and face yes. these things. Basically... That's not much of a mm-hmm. character, but it really feels like you can feel the, uh, just the fact that he go back and he went out and saved her. When you can actually kind of feel that in his acting, yes, that affected it. But really, the writing never doesn't really push that any outside of one flashback scene, mm-hmm. which feels like it was added after they heard him deliver the speech and thought, oh, we need uh, something to actually show that. Makes you wonder how much of this maybe have been planned and. <sighs> I don't know. It's just the like I said. This feels like it's this is a like I said, written and directed by this guy. Mm-hmm. Feels like it's the first time he ever wrote and directed anything feature length. He had to get two other people to help him. I'm guessing they're script doctors, possibly more than anything else. Yeah, and they do kind of fix. I'm assuming some things that are wrong with the film because there is because otherwise I don't feel some of these more story bits would be in there. Maybe, but. A lot of it does just feel like he wrote it as a he he took the short, expanded it, threw in a bunch of stuff, and it's and maybe in his mind it's still that short. He's still trying to protect his vision. I get that. I'm an yes. artist. I understand what it's like Fair. having a vision for something, getting the chance to expand on it. You want to make sure your vision is still present in the expanded version. Mm-hmm. But maybe you're too close to the artwork to see the flaws. Yeah. That's why you had to have somebody else look at it. Been there. And I really do, to some degree, feel like, you know, maybe he should have worked on something that was less his baby first before he made this. Fair. That's probably the biggest thing. It's like, because this, you can tell this was his baby and he maybe babied it a little too much. And I blame that on it being his first real acting, first real uh, feature-length film, mm-hmm. uh, his only feature-length film, uh, according to IMDb. 
uh, and I'm afraid he babied it too much. And that's yeah. probably, I, I would say that would be my biggest issue with that. That makes sense, actually. I wish Tim Burton had, since Tim Burton did produce this thing, I kind of wish he'd have actually looked at the, uh, uh, worked on the script with, uh, and maybe flushed out some more things. Because <laughs> at least when Tim Burton does one note stuff, as he has a tendency to do mm-hmm. with characters, one note characters, yeah. like he has a tendency to do, they're at least still interesting. Mm-hmm. So, either way. True. Which, that was our third and final like, and I yes. kind of went on a little bit of a rant-ish it's in there, good. but not really much, not really a rant master. <laughs> so, yeah. What are you rating this film? Well, I want to hear yours first. He would do that. I would. I'm giving it a seven. Oh, okay. It's well animated. It's not really a bad film. It's mm. just not a great film. It's not, I, it, it's an okay. That's the thing. I would put it at okay. It's... Just and, and the thing is, it, it, the atmosphere, as much as it's well done, and I yeah. can appreciate it as an mm-hmm. artist, it's this is not my thing. Fair, and that may be why I'm a little harsh on it. It's just not my kind of thing. I I get why people some people might like this. I also understand why this did not make as big a splash as anyone hoped. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm giving it a seven. I'm gonna give it eight point five. Like I really enjoyed the story. I really enjoyed the characters for the most part. Nine is the character you primarily focus on, and then you get I think it's the character who pops up in the middle of the film. The the other character, uh, the the female character. Oh, Jennifer. Yeah, seven. Yeah, seven. Jennifer. I think it's seven. Uh, overall, I really enjoy this film. But like, yeah, it's got flaws. Be like, I really wish it would have been. They stretched it out a little bit more and. Be like, they're going to be like, Drew gave her some good points where it was, you know, the, the director himself you know, is a primarily a shorts director, and that's what he's known for. So to... That's what he's done. That's what he's done. Admittedly, the shorts I saw in there, the only one I recognized was the one this was based on. Ah, uh, so, gotcha. So he doesn't have a lot of experience with that. So, like, I think if you were talking about the, the you know, quote-unquote script, doc- script doctors, I would have come in and tried to help flesh out the story a little bit more. Uh, and the story is fleshed out a little bit more, but I really wish they would have expanded mm-hmm. a little bit more. But, again, the movie goes at a neck, neck break face. And, like, I enjoy the film. It's got flaws, but, yeah, it's so it's so very well done, very well executed kind of film. And I enjoy it. So, yeah, it's an 8.5. All right. That brings us to the end of the review. Join us on the other side of the break, and we'll get to talking about what we've been watching. Whoa. What movie are we watching next? Good question. Yes. Because we actually have to go to the internet for this. Yes, we do. Let me bring that up. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, every uh, since starting last year, we started re-reviewing our scenes, our, our uh, episodes from the first here, because we've changed our format since then. Yes. And we place, we, we picked three films we wanted to do this year. It had to be three because of somebody's needing to take some time off. Somebody. Uh, I don't know who that is. Yeah, no idea. Uh, so we only are doing three this year. And uh, we took it down to either being the Transformers, the movie, Anastasia and your name. We're going to review those three films this year, but we let you, the listeners, pick what we were reviewing. So if you were in our Facebook uh, group, The Cell Nation, you had your pick between these, and 
we had a grand total of 17 votes. And next week, by a percentage point, because I would like to say, trans, uh, see, that's, here's the thing. Anastasia and Transformers the movie, technically, are tied vote-wise. Wow. But be percentage-wise, which is what I'm going mm-hmm. off of, because we had an odd number, mm-hmm. Transformers the movie wins at 42%. Woo! So join us next week as uh, we watch uh, an Orson Welles film. The last performance. Technically. Yes. Anyway, join like I was saying earlier, join us after the break. We'll talk about uh, what we've been watching, the news, and some info. I know. Some Neon Genesis Evangelion, where I get to talk about how much I hate a man. It's understandable. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest checking out the Untold Podcast. The Untold Podcast is a speculative fiction podcast utilizing the genres of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, among others, in order to engage the culture's imagination from a Christian worldview. Every month, Nathan James Norman produces and narrates a new story presented in a unique and dynamic way. Check out The Untold Podcast at theuntoldpodcast.com to listen and leave them a review on Apple Podcasts. The Cellcast would also like to thank the following patrons. Ashley and Francisco Ruiz, Book of Gaming, PaulGPowers.com, and Edwin Gonzalez. If you would like to have your name read out on the show, some pers- some exclusive art from Jacob. I need to word that correctly, otherwise yes. you're in trouble. <laughs> and it will be my fault. Yes. Um, Don't get me in trouble. Some, yeah, some exclusive art from Jacob, uncut episodes, plus first run animated series episodes for a limited exclusivity on the mm-hmm. Patreon uh, all for uh, just $5 and then mm-hmm. if you want to pay us $10 you can actually force us to review something within limitations <laughs> so uh, yeah go f- go to the Patreon if you want to uh, exactly. get involved with that yeah, and, and stay tuned for those for that it, for the uh, stay tuned to the news segment for our announcement of our first TA, what we're calling TAS extras. Yes, which technically we already did one, but beside yeah. the point. <laughs> so, Jacob, I have a question for you. Yes. What have you been watching? What have I been watching? So Monday, so Monday afternoon, get back from work. And I'm like, you know what? I, I want to watch a movie. I haven't seen I've sat down and actually watched the movie besides reviewing for the podcast. And I kept a friend of mine, Stevie, who was in the chat a little while ago. Thank you, Stevie. Uh, had mentioned Dune Part 1 over and over again. Did like, you finally watch Dune Part 1? Yes, I finally watched Part 1. So how did you like the first three quarters of the original Dune, but done better? It was great. <laughs> did you understand what was going on this time? <laughs> I did. Minus, be like, so here, here's the thing. Be like, it is a great film. It is long. And it is only half the story. I know. Here, here's my point. The be like, half the, isn't the, is it the beginning of March? The dialogue. The dialogue. It's like, it's so heavy. You're scooping up with a forklift. Yes. It's so incredibly dense. 
Yes. And I'm like, wait a minute. What in the world just happened? Oh, okay. Get it, get it, get it. Oh, okay. Oh, that's cool. Oh, okay. Here, here. It, it, this is what happens when you transcribe the book into the movie. Yes. Because <laughs> some of that dialogue, I think, I could be wrong, I think it's word for word and it's meant to be a touch inscrutable. Yes. So here, here was the thing. So you, you have our main character, Paul. Atreides. Atreides. Paul Atreides. Who become Paul Maudib. Uh, spoiler alert! That doesn't tell you nothing. You don't I even know, know what a Maudib is. I know. Whatever. <laughs> but be like, you have characters like Paul, who just normally will say a normal conversation with like his mother, who's a witch, I think. Right? Yes. She actually is one of the uh, witches. Okay. She's a witch. And be like, have a Except this is not a bad thing. Yes, in this I'm, universe. Mm-hmm. So be like, you have Paul talking with his mother, Paul talking with his father, who's the king, Duke, Duke. That's right, Duke. And so, and then you have other characters like uh, uh, Jason Momoa, who talks like Jason Momoa. It was like really, I loved uh-huh. his performance. Loved yeah. his performance. Uh-huh. And, then, and then you have other characters who walk Duncan around. Duncan Idaho. That was his name. The character's name. What? Duncan Idaho. Dunk. Yeah, that's right. Duncan Idaho. Duncan. Um, Dunkin' Donuts or Dunkin' from Masters Universe, either one. Um, so, and then you have characters who have normal, sound like there's just a normal human being having a dialogue, right? And then you have other characters who sound like they're just saying something from a sonnet or a poem or something like that. And it's just like, and, what in the world? <laughs> and then there's Zendaya. Yeah. Or whatever her name is in this, because I never remember. Yeah. I just know it's his girlfriend. Yes. Which me like so the the whole thing of if you haven't seen Doom Part One it's available on Netflix, uh so if you haven't watched it like this scuba right here go watch it on Netflix. So admittedly you had had the taste of the original film yeah. in your mouth and you it was not a taste you liked. No, it wasn't. So this movie in particular it did it, not have the correct spice. Oh my gosh! Thank you. They did like the entire time, the entire movie. The let the, the spice, spice must flow. The entire freaking movie. I'm waiting for that to be in the second movie. Uh, yeah, because honestly, like, that's kind of where that ends up being a major point. Mm-hmm. Either or, uh, there's the idea that Paul can see, be like he can see the future. He's a tele, not telepath, but he can see the future. He's like he, he like yeah I don't it's he can project the future or something. yeah and so there's all this thing with Zendaya's character and it's like it's like uh then the worms and the worm whatever yeah the worms the worms yeah I mean, like it's great do not get me wrong you can tell so, where Tremors got its ideas from. yes yes so how they didn't get sued out of existence is beyond me true man it's these are really small worms and. Big, enormous worms that can... Have, have you seen images of the collector's popcorn bucket for Doom Part 2? No. It's... Get the regular bucket stuff, right? Yeah. And the topper for the bucket is a Doom Worm. Oh, Which wow. means you have to reach down past its teeth... Oh, no, no, to no, get no, 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 and no! No! <laughs> Thank you. Give me a regular popcorn pocket stat. I'm not sticking my hand down a worm's throat. The butter must flow. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. No, 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 no. No. I guarantee this Cooper will probably go get one. No, probably. I'm not. Really? <laughs> Look, I, I, I don't. I am not the kind of person who's going to stick his hand down anything's throat to get snacks. <laughs> 
I don't care if it's plastic. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would take the lid off. Look, I have this nice crude cup. Yes. With a straw coming out of his head. Yeah. So you can apparently you could drink from him while you're watching Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And you want to know what I didn't do? Drink from it. Right. I had them say, can I get the cup, but then bring me my soft drink in a, in a regular glass? <laughs> they said, sure. So, yeah. Groot here has never seen, seen liquid. Oh, that's too funny. So I wasn't going to drink from him like that, like Riker drank from Troy in that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay. You don't want to know. Uh, yeah, I definitely don't want to know. It was a dream sequence. Ah, okay. So. Data's dream sequence. Okay. The uh, android who shouldn't be dreaming had dreams. All right, then. Moving on. Yes, moving right, moving right along. Dick-a-doom, dick-a-doom. So I watched Doom Part 1 on Netflix. I enjoyed it. There was a little bit of like, okay, this is a lot of information to take in. And the second one's coming out when? Beginning of March. Beginning of March. It's like two weeks. Two weeks. Which so, means I need to get on and rewatch uh, the first one because it's been a hot minute yeah. since I saw the first Dune part, or Dune part one, I should say. So it's available on Netflix for, towards, for the rest of this month. So go watch it before the next movie comes out. So yeah, that's about the only thing I've watched besides listening to... Uh, podcasts walking from here to there. So, yeah. Good movie. So, what have I been watching? <laughs> or playing? It might be more playing because I've not been doing much watching. Uh. I have been watching a couple things on YouTube, actually. I have recently discovered a, a channel called Breadsword. Breadsword. Okay. That's his name. He makes these very long film uh, video essays. Okay. And all the ones I've found so far have been cartoons. Related, right. or animation related. I saw one on... Uh, what was the name of that movie? Uh, Robin Hood. Oh. Which was very interesting because he went and watched every other Robin Hood film in order to draw direct comparisons to how this was not only one of the best Robin Hood films, but also the last one where they weren't trying to make it realistic. Ah, I gotcha. And how after that, it, they tried making Robin Hood darker and grittier and grounding him and trying to make it more realistic. Okay. Which very rarely works. Mm -hmm. And how, how nice would it be if we just had another fun Robin Hood film? True. And then, before you came over here, I was watching one on Lupin the Third Castle of Cagliostro. Go check uh, out our I review saw. on that because it's a good film. It is. And he, he pointed out his he was he was talking about legacy with that one because along with going all the way back to course to Maurice LeBlanc's Ars, uh, Lup, uh, Arson, Arson Lupin Gentleman Burglar. Yes. He also went into the fact that this that Castle Cagliostro is literally the defining moment of the entire Lupin the Third franchise mm. because nearly every other film in the series is pretty much being measured up to at least by the creators to this film fair and going into how it fits in with the rest of the loop in the third franchise which basically comes down to after the episode ends everything resets and that's fine mm. you don't always need lots of continuity unless you think it'd be fun to Reference continuity. Yes. We need more of that 
in our lives, folks. Yes. I'm just saying that. I love big, expansive continuity. Do not get me wrong. But it would be nice just to turn on something, turn on something, and not have to feel like I need to do homework to find to to like what I'm watching. Yes. So, other than that, I've been playing Persona Three Reload still because that's a very long game, and I'm going to be on it a while. Uh, just finally figured out how the robot fits into this. Uh-huh. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> kind of. Yes. But other than that, uh, that's what I've been watching and playing. And why don't we get into the news? Ah. The Cellcast News with your host, Jacob Heron. Why, thank you, Dealit. Now, kind of a note, I really wish we could do this and actually just show the trailer on the screen with audio, but I don't know. But we will do the next best thing. Yes. I am Magneto, Master of Magnet. (laughs) And everything that Xavier Xavier made is now his. (laughs) Previously on X-Men. Yeah. So actually I could probably no, I took that off. I'm gonna have to put it back on. <laughs> Spoilers. Yes. So if anybody who had a freaking heartbeat of uh, I think two days ago or yesterday? Yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Marvel Animation Studios well, yeah, 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 go ahead. released the teaser trailer for X-Men 97. With a release date of March 20th. Yes. Which, if I'm not mistaken, I think is a Saturday. No, it's not. It's a Wednesday. Sorry. Wednesday. I was so hoping this was a Saturday morning cartoon. Oh, that'd be epic. Disney Plus, I will... I will... I will accept you pushing this back three days to the 23rd at 7 in the morning. I will accept that because if there's one thing we need back in our world yeah, you're today, not- it's Saturday morning, morning cartoons. cartoons. Agreed. Agreed. So and this would have been the perfect time for it since it started off as a Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> Anyways, so yes, it is official. Uh, the official Marvel, Stu- Marvel Studios, Marvel Animation Studios... YouTube channel has surpassed, I think it's like 4.3 million views mm-hmm. of this one teaser trailer. Yes. And, and it's, to, it's a good trailer. It's I mean, so good. So, so good. Be like, our, our, be like our social medias were flighting up like no one's business. Uh, there again, people be like, Drew sent me a link to, I think it was like the I teaser. I sent motion. you to the trailer. I put a, 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 I, here's how, okay. Here's my story. Okay. Here's <laughs> There's story. not really much of a story. I am sitting, you going in, I'm at work and I'm going in to use the restroom. Mm-hmm. And I can tell I might be a minute. Mm. Okay, that's all I'm going to say that. Fair. But I pull out my phone while I'm taking care of business. Yes. And, liter- and go to Facebook. And literally the first thing I see is a row of VHS tapes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The words X-Men 97 streaming March 20th. 
And I post, I immediately shared that to the Facebook page and mm-hmm. said, we have a date. Yes. And then I got done with my business and went back to work. And then, Only for like minutes later, uh-huh. my phone explodes, starts exploding. And then I, well, I found a way to see why it was exploding, sent you the trailer yeah, and said, oh God. I think I, we may have to do this as uh, an extra TAS. Yes. And it oh was not until after that I realized, gosh, you know, people. maybe we ought to do this as a patr- timed Patreon exclusive. Exactly. We're still discussing the time. But yeah, I'm we're, thinking we're, we're getting months. details out. I'm, basically, I'm thinking it's going to be... It'd be after we get done, get done with the last episode, mm-hmm. whenever it releases, yes, three months from that point is when we'll release the whole thing to the main feed. But until that point, it will be on our Patreon. So, All right. five dollars, folks, to hear us talk about our mm-hmm. childhoods, yeah, and see if they ruin it, yeah. So, I, I have a question for you. What did you think about the trailer? Because I watched it five times. I watched it a couple times. Uh, most of it, I okay. Admittedly, first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. I had my phone muted. So all I had was visuals and oh, closed captioning. Oh, jeez. Which is half this thing. Yes. And I'm thinking, okay, this is cool and all. I'm, I'm liking the animation. It's not, it, it's got a little bit of that uh, modern CG, 2D CG mm-hmm. kind of jank. So it's not Agreed. fully from that. Agreed. But, you know, for the most part, it's good. And then I went to lunch. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I ought to watch that again with the sound on just just so I can hear voices and such. Literally all my thinking. And, you know, he gets done with the last time on X-Men yeah. segment, basically. And you start hearing those notes. And I go on. And I'm like, okay, this is starting to sound good. This is getting good. And I'm like five years old again in the truck, in, in, the, in the driver's seat of my truck. Going, <laughs> like, okay, this looks like it's going to be fun. Oh my gosh. The only issue is uh, Cal Dodd, who's the voice of Wolverine, is not quite doing the voice he did in the 90s. He's well, close. He's very close. 30 years ago. His voice has changed a little. A little I, bit, but he still sounds like Wolverine. He still sounds like Wolverine. It's just the first time I heard it, I went, whoa. That's not a quite. That's not quite a match, but that's close enough for me. Yeah, exactly. But it's like I was watching, going, you know, it's cleaner than uh, season five. Well, it's cleaner actually than seasons one through four too. True. It's cleaner than the old cartoon as you would expect it to be. But yes. man, does it kind of have that? Does it have that look? Mm. Does it have that feel? There's only like a couple spots where it's like, okay, yeah, this is modern because. You know, you can't actually animate that way. You couldn't animate that way in the 90s. True. But you're still going through and seeing, like, designs from the 90s. Yeah. But being animated like this, and I'm going, ah, this is so cool. And apparently there's some homages to uh, Pride of the X-Men. We shall see. Yeah, we shall see. So, might my, my be like, I, I, I saw the trailer, and... Immediately, because they're going to be like, you work in a grocery store, you can go to the back. So I'll be like, I, 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 I see it, and I was like, I got to watch this. So I go to the back, and instantly they start playing the theme. And it's just air guitar the entire time. 
and it's just, oh my gosh, like all like all these little build ups is like what be like the Scott and Jean, Scott and Jean, that that whole Jean's pregnant. Jean's pregnant. I'm like, I wonder who the kid is. Which child? Which of the thirty Scott and Jean children is this going to be? Or Madeline Pryor? <laughs> is it Madeline Pryor? Is it Madeline Pryor? We don't know. Hey, hey, Bishop is here. Yeah. If this goes like the original show did, if Bishop's here, he's here to fix something that got screwed up. Yeah. Which tells me maybe what we saw at the end of season five is the final fate of Xavier going being shot into space with his space girlfriend. Maybe not have happened to this version, or may got immediately changed. Who knows? Because, you know, that's, uh... Words. Words. What is it? The casket. Yeah, the casket a... looked a little too foreboding for it to be a fake thing being lowered into the ground. Fair. So, Fair. so I'm, I'm watching this. Be like, you're getting little characters here and there. Be like, you hear a, a new voice for Scott, because obviously the original voice actor passed away in 2000. Unfortunately, but he sounds he's, close. He sounds really close to, you know, Scott Summers. And then you, obviously you get the original voice from Wolverine. You get this and this and this. Obviously it's 30 years later. And you get this great line and be like, you know, to me, my X-Men from Scott. And, and, like, sound, and, and you're like, yes! <laughs> there we go. And you got the theme just revving the entire time. And, like, you get these great setups. You get Wolverine and Gambit combo. I was like, Which, what the crap is this? And he kinetically, kinetically charges the, 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 the claws. I go, uh, doesn't that mean they're about to explode? Did you just kill Wolverine to fight what I'm assuming is a sentinel? It's Wolverine. He's invincible, and plus his claws are invincible. I know, but still, I'm like, you know, before I understood how this was just empowering potential energy, I just assumed he touched things and made them explode. <laughs> and I'm sorry, that's how I view it still in my head. Fair. Is Wolverine's, is Wolverine going to survive the Sentinel episode <laughs> because he had to team up with Gambitian? <laughs> who, yes, thankfully they reversed the stupid decision in season five to have Gambit have the white eyes and they gave him back black eyes with red corneas. <laughs> Red irises. Red irises. That was so oh. dumb. Oh yeah. I know it's. I know he doesn't look right, but it looks like him. <laughs> so be like, you get all these amazing scenes. You get the 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 the, uh, the opening uh, logo come in. It's different than the original, obviously, because you're doing thirty years later. Yeah. And, and then be like the the. So I I will be. The nostalgic part of me will be happy as if the opening is literally just the opening from X Men the animated series, but newly animated. Mm. Some changes. Since, oh yeah, uh, you can't really have Xavier going against X Men because uh, <laughs> oh, he's not there. Magneto in the last shot, and Magneto is technically maybe on our side if they're doing that. Story. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, that's what it looks like. Yeah, so there's gonna be some differences, but it's like I don't want this to be X Men '97. I want this to be X Men Season Six. Yeah, that's what it sounds that's like. That's what I want. That's what it sounds like. And the way you do that to keep it clear in my mind, don't put the 97 on the title card in the show. Mm. Put it on marketing materials. I get that. Show itself, it, you know, the original show never called it X-Men the Animated Series. It was just X-Men. Let's just keep it X-Men. Mm. Anyway. But, oh my gosh. So when you get the big reveal that Magneto is now in control of everything... And like you get to see Jean pregnant, you'll be like, obviously it's a very homage scene because if you know the comics, you know like the Jim Lee error, like this guy does. Be like, you get this amazing shot where they all come in, and it's like, wait a minute, that's from this scene, this scene, this. Oh my yeah. gosh, yes, bring it. 
I, I am so excited because obviously we're going to do a, a uh, we're doing it. I guess, like we said, we're doing a uh, X-Men extra, uh, extra T, a TAS extra. That's what yeah. we're calling it. And we are going to do it on Patreon, exclusive, uh, timed exclusively. So mm-hmm. I got to do this. It's $5. In fact, uh, I noticed Retro is in the chat. He's getting it. For five dollars, yeah, he doesn't have to do anything exactly except download the episode and listen to it. Not yeah, well, come on, Roy, <laughs> just say he's behind on everyone's podcasts. It happens. But anyway, <laughs> we be like we appreciate everything that people do for for our Patreon. I'm, for just, our I'm gifts giving people hard times. Yes. Anyway, so, yes, I'm super excited to hear this, see this. Uh, I I was giddy most of yesterday. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you got to watch this. That's literally I had a coworker who was literally around my age. And we, we were I was, I was like, hey, do you remember X-Men? It's like, yeah. You know, there's a new series coming. It's like, what? Show the trailer. It's like, oh, my gosh. Yes. People are excited. People our generation are excited. And probably some kid, kids that are your, children that are younger than us. And probably adults are a little bit older than us are like, heck, yeah, bring it. So, yes, March 30th on Disney Plus, we're getting X-Men 97. 20th. 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 Sorry. sorry. Yeah. So, it sounded like you said 30th, and I could have misheard. Yeah. I, I probably said 30th. I'm going to say 20th. No but, worries. Uh, nuance. So, yes, get ready, because this is going to be lit. Let's go. Welcome, her. Wait, she's not joining the X-Men, is she? She's just a kid. Wolverine. You never know. Shadow Thank Cat you. might show up. Oh my God! Will she be Sprite? Sprite? That was her original name. I didn't know that. Oh no, Shadow Cat. Yeah, when she originally joined the X Men, she was known as Sprite. Wow. I wonder if Coca Cola Company made them change the name. That's like, well, in Pride of the X Men, like you know, Kitty Pride was there, and also, uh, what was the dragon? A uh, Lockheed. Lockheed. Yeah, I hope Lockheed shows up. Well, if. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Colossus. Yeah, Colossus joins his sister. <laughs> yes. She is more well connected to Lockheed than Kitty Pride is. That is that is true. Of course, Kitty Pride falls That's, in love with Colossus. So that it's is neither true. here nor there. That is true. So we'll, we'll, we shall see what happens in X-Men 97 when it comes out on the 20th! <laughs> Not excited at all, but that's nah. that's that's all I have for the news that we're getting. Freaking X Men ninety seven, yes. Moving on, yeah, and I don't have anything to add to this. So. Uh, I, I did notice a retro a retro did in the chat. It's like hopefully he is here to fix Disney owning Fox X Men X Men. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, Fox owning. Anyway, X-Men. anyways, why don't we go ahead? Yeah. And have some emotional damage. And boy, do we have some this week. You're not kidding. So buckle up. Card captors, a mystic adventure. Card captors, a quest for all time. Do 
Stephen He did the emotional damage mm. in the Lost Four Kids anime opening of Evangelion was done by Eagle Eight Burger. Anyway, yes. everyone else belongs to everyone else. Yes. The fourth to be qualified, a.k.a. Fourth Child. Child. Yes. Directed by Minoru Ohara and written by Hideaki Anno mm. and Shinji Higuchi. Yes. As Ava 04, the planned test bed for the S2 engine disappears under mysterious circumstances. I wonder why. Nerve quickly prepares the testing of Ava 03 and the selection of its pilot. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Shinji and Toji continue to bond, and Hikari begins to emotionally open herself up to Toji. Mm-hmm. That's not foreboding in the slightest. No, it's not. There is no all. new cast in this episode. There is no angel in this episode. No. The next episode, though. And the only other piece of trivia I have for this episode <laughs> yes. is the version of Fly Me to the Moon at mm. the end of this is uh, Aki, is a song by Aki, and it is a jungle remix. Hmm. And it is completely out of place <laughs> at the end of this episode. It is. You have this very this, somber episode, and then it's and then bum, 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 and then bum, bum, super, bum. super dance remix. <laughs> remix. Wow. Imagine this, this is as bad as the ends of some of those episodes of Tangled, the, uh, of, of Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where... Oh my friend, my, my my best friend in the world has betrayed me. The kingdom is falling into disrepair. The world is coming to an end. I've got the wind in my hair and the fire within. <laughs> yeah, bad timing, Disney, with that one. Bad timing. I was like, wait, what is he gonna do? It's like, oh yeah, that. It happened so many times. So many times. Oh my god. Because they don't expect anyone to watch credits. Uh huh. Anyway. Anyways. But yeah, that's. The information I've got for this episode. Admittedly, while a lot happens here, I don't know how much to talk about we have on this one. That is true. Uh, because we find out, A, that... Okay, first off, I want to complain. Okay. But one thing. Okay, complain about something. It is the proof that they were starting to run out of money by this point. Okay. The first minute... Of this episode, mm. after the end credits begin, yeah. up to uh, the opening credits end, yes. up to the point where we finally see the title card. Mm-hmm. How many frames did we have? It's about a minute long. That's a good question. Four. Four frames. We had four frames. They literally held on each of these four frames with everything being done in dialogue. Mm-hmm. And let me explain what these are. You have... The silhouette of Misato in front of uh, in an true. orange shot of light. Mm-hmm. Rest of the screen is black, that's and true. that's the long one. That yeah. one's a good thirty to forty-five seconds. Yeah. The next shot, black screen. The third shot, Gendo's head, copied from the first episode mm-hmm. for three seconds, and the fourth shot is the title card. Yes, for the episode. Four frames a minute. 
despite the fact we were watching in 30 frames a second. Yes. I'm just saying they were starting to run out of money and were not only reusing shots, but holding on what shots they had for longer than they needed to. Yeah. But it did technically get done. It'd be one thing if I could see her chin, Masato's chin moving up and down during the mm-hmm. time, like the light hitting it. So, yeah. Because that's a cool shot. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But it's like very obvious this is a still photo. And we're holding on this as long as we can get away with it. Well, yeah, I mean, like I think even the like the 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 best animated shows are still going to have shots well, like that. Yes, going to do that. I, I agree. Yeah, but this is just that. This is something I'm aware that this series suffers from is because they do save a lot of their money for the Actual Ava things. fights, yeah. Ava Angel fights. Which, granted, having it for the next one episode makes a lot of sense. Yes, this one I'm going. Y'all held on to this money as tight-fistedly as you could, didn't you? Y'all were running out of film. And granted, I think there's even a couple shots, I don't know if it's in this one or next one, where it is literally a reuse of the command center shot from the from the first episode. Yes. The pan, pan over. Now, granted, they use our, uh, stock footage all the time, but it was like painfully obvious, like this was the first one. This was in the first episode. Like, if you go over just a little bit farther, you'll see the three... Uh, Japanese military general sitting in that in that console yeah. while Gendo is staring at them like, what are you doing in my seat? <laughs> I see Operation Certain Failure was a certain failure. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, uh, th- that's my complaint on this one because most of this episode is them trying not to say who the fourth pilot is no. while it's painfully obvious who the fourth pilot is. Yes. Sorry, the fourth ch- children. Fourth child. I hate this term, the fourth children. It's one child. Four, they're all chosen children. He's not the fourth children. He's the yes. fourth child. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It's an annoyance on my part. I'll get over it. Yeah. But most of that is is trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Them, uh, Masato not getting up the bravery to go tell Shinji. Mm-hmm. Although, was, or was that the next episode? No, it's this episode. I couldn't remember. Like she, it starts in this episode. Yeah, she she she's trying to find the the right words. She's trying to find the right words. Trying to find the time to tell Shinji because we know Shinji's sensitive about everything. Yeah. and I I know this is gonna also be in the second one, but I love how every time Oscar gets ready to tell Shinji, oh yeah, who it is because she is a jerk. Yeah, it's it's like, you don't know yet. It's like no, it's like and right what? before she's tra- right before she says it. Yeah. It's like she gets audio cut cuts out. She gets cut off every time. Of course. Because like, it builds tension. Yeah. And I, I get it's that, but so it's good. Like, like the minute they said he in reference to the pilot, I went, oh, it's it's one of, it, it's that guy. It's the guy that put Shinji in the fourth episode. Yes. That's why he was in the movies. Because <laughs> he's an important of a character. I don't think they ever get to... He doesn't get to be a pilot in the movies. No, it's someone else. Yeah, anyway. But yeah, this is... And they wear a new plug suit. Let's say that. This is not the episode I'm going to be really going off on, yeah. because this is literally just set up. Yeah. This, 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 all this is set up. And I'm, I'm going to say, the, the episode just prior to this, that we did last week... Mm-hmm. Um, where they fought um the shadow the shadow yeah yeah with the the Derek C or however it was said uh-huh that from that episode i think probably is like the end of what i would actually call the filler arc it's not that there was filler okay. per se yeah but it really does feel like oh 
this part where we were filling up a couple of episodes uh-huh. so that you know we could actually fill out a runtime, even though we're going to drop stuff here and these are important episodes to watch uh-huh. too, but not important enough for us to actually work into the movies like that we'll mm-hmm. rebuild later on. Um, it feels like we're definitely past that point, mm. and we're back to here's answers to questions you've been asking. Yes. Except they're raising more questions. Yes, they are. It's like, uh, how much is everybody lying to each other? Mm-hmm. Because I get the feeling only one person knows what's going on, and I hate him after the next episode. Yeah, you're not kidding. Not that I was happy with him before. Yes. But, yeah, what are your thoughts? Uh, I enjoyed their game set up. We get uh the the guys are completely our 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 three our three amigos guys or two of them at least are kind of clueless what's going on. Everybody else has kind of figured out what's going on. It's uh oh crap, what's his name? He's he's stuck as pilot. Uh, I just said it a minute ago. Yes, um, Toji. Yeah, Toji. Toji selected as the fourth pilot, and then you get the uh, the incident in America where the 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 uh, the engine disappears in New Mexico. In New Mexico, and it blows up. Well, yes. it doesn't blow up. No, it, it disappears because it looked like it blew up on the video they showed. Mm-hmm. And the other guy says, "But it didn't blow up. It just disappeared." I'm like, and. How did it disappear on the other side of the planet when mm-hmm. the angel that was doing the whole Derek C thing that you talked about mm-hmm. was over in Japan? Yeah. Why is it here? Yeah. Doing stuff? Yeah. But then it's non including physics. That's all it is. Yeah. So, like, we get all these amazing setup. We got Masato, who's desperately trying to tell Shinji that uh, the, the who the new pilot is. But it's just like interruption, interruption, and then you get the I mean, like this is a great set because everybody knows except Shinji, and Shinji is probably the one who needs to know because they're they're good friends and yeah, yeah, and then but like obviously you get the uh, the the dummy plug and yeah they hinted that they hinted that you get another and, shot of uh, Ray in the uh, the test tube test tube which is obviously it's feeding something. Well, considering the machinery above her looks just like a brain. Yeah. That's I true. wonder. I wonder why. Hmm. Either or. So this is a great setup. Hidekiano is not exactly subtle. No, he's not. <laughs> so, th- like, this is an amazing setup episode. And then that just immediately leads right into, I think it's the next episode. Yeah, the next episode. Life and Death Decisions, a.k.a. Ambivalence. Hmm. Directed by Tensai Okamura and written by Hideaki Anno and Shinji Higuchi. The activation of Ava Unit 3 goes horribly awry. I wonder why. When an angel takes control of the unit, with Ava 03 itself redesignated as an angel. Shinji is faced with the moral dilemma of terminating the rogue Evangelion at the risk of harming or killing the pilot trapped within. Mm-hmm. Until Gendo takes that question out of his hands. And activates the plug. Oh my the dummy plug. The dummy plug. Angel appearance. His, the angel here is named Bardiel. Bardiel. We do see a shot of him early on mm-hmm. in the episode yeah. as a cloud. Yes. However, most of the time we see him in this episode is as Ava Unit 3 yes. as he takes complete control of Ava Unit 3 mm. for the rest of this. And yes. somehow well, 
I say somehow, like, I don't already have clues as to what the Avas actually are. Mm-hmm. But evolves the Ava into an angel? Somewhat. In a way? In a way. Uh, of course, as we said earlier, Toji, his friend Toji, who punched him in episode, what, four? Four. I believe. Uh, he is the fourth child. He is. And, uh, but the, the, it does not really, it, it, they're still trying to play it close to the vest mm-hmm. for most of this episode. In fact, he's not even in this episode. No, he's not. Except for maybe one shot near the beginning of the, of yeah, the episode. Yeah, we, we see him. We see him, but literally we never actually see him after that. Yeah. Minus, uh, minus the very end. The very, the very end, end, yeah. So the lightning display in the thundercloud that was Bardiel. Mm-hmm. As well as the similarity of Toji's usual attire to Bardiel's host body, is similar. Ava O three foresha- uh, foreshadows along with just about every other hint in these two episodes mm-hmm. that he is to be the pilot mm-hmm. and that he will be in grave danger. Just a little. The fly me to the moon in this one is an instrumental. Uh-huh. Uh huh. With a guitar and a piano, and it's listed as B four. Makes sense. It's 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 a good ending to a very somber episode. It's except it's still kind of light and airy. Yeah, strangely enough, but it works. Yes. This episode, I'm I'm 15 minutes into this episode, and I'm, and I think that's when the Ava the the they, the, the, the Ava is revealed to be an angel. I think by that point. Well, they 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 show they're they're flying over and the, they go through the cloud. You get the yeah, but that's the not lightning. when the, the the commercial break eye catch thing was. That's that true. This, and that's where I'm trying. That's where I'm thinking. True. Okay. Uh, but when because I think that's when the you see that the 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 armor comes off slightly and you see that the muscles yeah on the Ava are are bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get the explosion. Right. And then it goes to. The title thing that says the engines is saving Gelly. That always happens in the middle of the episode when it went to commercial. Uh huh. And then you come back, and of course nobody knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. The other the testing site is they've lost connection with. They've launched the Avas, and we're all sitting there going, "We know who it is, except Shinji. Except Shinji. Everyone knows who it is. Makoto, not Makoto. Uh, Asuka mm-hmm. once again tries to say, "You don't know who's in the thing. It's it's like." Well, it you takes just let the woman talk. <laughs> and he, Shinji, until the last moments of this episode, does not know it's Toji. Yeah. And he, that so he, so, so, so this episode, most of where he's after, you know, it takes out Asuka, it takes out uh, right. Ayanami. And Shinji is like, I'm not going to attack this guy. Yeah, well, it will. I'll have to murder the pilot. Yeah. Because, and I'm not going to do that. And Gendo, being Gendo, Gendo, says, "Well, blink you, activate the dummy plug. Does it eject Shinji? No. He leaves Shinji in there to watch." Hit didn't it destroy this Ava? And this is not a you know fire thing straight through the forehead and it blows up like so many of these other angels. Yeah, this is the most brutal death in the series so far. I'm saying so far because I don't know what's coming. Yeah, 
It's it's literally you see like the Ava go berserk, but it's not going berserk. Right. It literally just goes in and starts tearing this a unit apart. Right. And and Shinji's in the time be like he's, he's trying to get me to stop. Let stop. And it's like and he's yelling at Gendo, who can still hear him, but Gendo yeah. is just not doing anything. And I, the moment that got me, mm. the moment I was like. Maybe he's going to come to his senses. Maybe this is not going to be as bad as I think it's going to be. At some point, the Ava, uh, Ava Unit 1 tore out Ava Unit 3's entry plug. And it's holding it. Uh-huh. Like a beer can that it's about to crush. I'm going, no! You don't do this! We This guy was not even on our threat list until the previous episode. We thought he was safe. I was not even sure why these two characters were in the show, other than to give Shinji friends. Uh huh. And I'm going, you get the, the, the crunch. And I'm like, ah! And does nothing. Like, I hate you, Gendo. <laughs> literally, to hate him. literally, the, as soon as that episode got done. Mm-hmm. I pick up my phone. Uh-huh. I click Jacob's name, and I said, "Well, if I didn't hate Gendo before, and I figured that was enough to tell you what yeah. I had just watched." Oh yeah, this. I mean, oh, it's, I it, it's, it's 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 so well done. You have Shinji who is desperately pleading with his father, be like, "Please make this stop. We can do something else. Don't do this." And he literally just crunch. That dummy, that plug, and it's just like, you heartless bleep. Because he doesn't care about he anybody. He doesn't care. He wants, is he, is he keeps saying, as long as we have the dummy plugs and we have Ava Unit 1, everything will be fine. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I have a feeling that everything's not going to be fine. Yeah. You know? And it's all your fault. Of course it's his fault. Of course. And it's just so freaking brilliant. And be like, this episode, be like, it's literally, you have our main character, Shinji, completely dark what's going on. Like, like, um, Masato be like, she's starting to learn. It's like, be like, who do I trust? I can't trust Nerve. I can't trust anybody. Like, who can I trust? And it's just like this buildup of tension. It's like, and then you get, the Ava's taken, the Ava 3's taken over by the angel. It's like, okay, we gotta kill this thing now. And it's just like, what? We can't kill the pilot? And it's just like, shit, be like, and then you go, nope, this is what's gonna happen. Be like, attack it, kill it. Can't, can't, can't. And it's like, okay, dummy plug, kill it. <laughs> and it's just like, shit, it's like, you're a freaking monster. You're worse than the angels. Probably. So, I ran into another little piece of trivia that I did not bring up. Ah. Uh. How much do you want to bet that Toji was also infected by Bardia? I don't know that much. But I, I know that... Even if we never survive. Yes. Yeah, we know he survives. The yes. episode at least does not make you wait oh. till the next one to find out. Yes, yes, yes. You yes. do at least get that knowledge right at the end of the episode. Oh, yeah. Because brilliant. it's right before Shinji learns that Toji was the fourth child yeah. because the announcement comes at least on the Netflix version. I'm sure this is the same there, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm just being careful on the, that one. That version, it does say the fourth, the, the other pilot is alive. Yeah. And that's when the side finally comes around and says the other pilot is Toji. Mm-hmm. And you're going, 
She didn't be like in, in the uh, in the ADU. I'd be like, it's literally he's looking down because he's you know fully conscious of everything, and he's like, and finally Masato's finally like do get be like, oh the pilot's alive. We got a heartbeat. And he's like, really? Be like, oh my gosh, he's really alive. And then Masato kicks in. And it's like, I'm so sorry. I've been trying to tell you the entire time. This pilot is and sees Toji, and he's. Yeah. Loses it. He. I, that's basically what happens here. He. She doesn't actually. She still doesn't actually say the name, but he yeah. sees that it's, it's Toji. Toji. And it's like, I got done with that episode. And like, I need to watch something else before I start re- doing my notes. Uh, I need to recover. Mm-hmm. So, just wait till the next episode. It's good. I have a feeling it's like good. we're on a wild ride till the end of this thing. Oh at this yeah. Point. And we're in episode eighteen. Yeah, we just finished 18. I do know that something interesting happens with the ADV cast list on the next episode. Yeah. So, for one episode, and then it goes to something else. Mm. But either way, that's going to be the end for us tonight. Next week, along with The Transformers, the movie. Yes. We will be watching the episodes A Man's Battle and Mm. Of the Shape of Hearts and Humans. Mm. So join us next week for that. But in the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterboxed page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts. Google Play Podcasts. Stitcher. Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. He's definitely not getting out of that plug.